0: And welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 40. A ticker tape parade and fanfare will follow. And on our 40th show, we ask: should you manage your finances jointly or individually? That's coming up in moments. But also in our previous episodes, we've covered mortgages, insurances, pensions, investments, help to buy schemes, and loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. So If you have a general financial query, first place to look is probably our back catalogue. Search the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts and you'll find us there. An enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out. And follow the show and then that way you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis with me as always the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good. Thank you. I'll be honest, I saw this subject and I thought, why wouldn't you have joint finances? But then maybe I'm completely gullible. I know plenty of couples who don't like my in-laws who've been married for 56 years and they still have individual personal accounts. So let's dig into this. First of all, it's not something you, you're going to be doing with somebody you just met in the pub last Saturday, is it? Unless she was Beyonce or someone equally fit and rich, uh, and it's you that's, that's pushing for it, and she'd have to be mad to consider it. Generally speaking, it's another of those signs of a long-term commitment, isn't it? This could be the the, the first show we've done where I get to say, we won't break up. So one mm-hmm. of the things we have to think about It's one of those subjects where
1: different people will have different outlooks on it. And and I've got to say, like, first of all, there's no one size fits all approach to this. I mean, some couples will be happy to have their... Their finances together whereas others will be like oh no the, the way they've been brought up maybe they, they like to have everything on on their own so that that is one thing that I would say is that there, there's definitely no one-size-fits-all approach to, to this and sometimes people maybe need to compromise need to try and understand each other as well but
0: it's a, a good thing to, to be looking at today good good topic for us mm. to, to go through. As you mentioned of course everyone is raised differently and money like everything else is, is different strokes for different folks i guess you might have completely alternative attitudes to money to affluence and I suppose again like you said there a lot of this could be about finding compromise Phil yes I mean d- different attitude to money
1: kind of means that like people do sometimes need to compromise and well one thing I always say it's like set boundaries I mean if if you are looking at taking out joint things be clear what you expect from the the other person and I mean, I, I'm more of a spender. Becky at work, who owns 5% of my business, she's more of a saver. So, so you've got a bit of a, a kind of conflict there, but it actually works really well. She's always like, oh, oh do you really need to be spending on that? But it is, you, you get some people who spend, some people who save, everybody's kind of got different outlooks on, on their finances. So I, I would say it's something that's good to, to kind of sit down and, and discuss and, and kind of almost set expectations right at the, the very start. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. I suppose one of the ways to think about this is what would be the plus points of keeping things separate? And I can see some merit in it for, uh, for you. If, say, one of you has debts, for instance. So um, imagine, you know, what, what, what would you do if one of you has a poor credit history?
1: you have to to be wary um of joint finances if one of you does have a, a poor credit history now let me get that make this clear living with somebody or being married to someone who's had bad credit won't affect yours however as soon as you open any joint bank accounts or take out a mortgage together, that's when your credit rating can be impacted at that time. So w- once you're kind of linked to each other, that's when you're almost like, not co-scored, but you- you've then got to watch because your credit rating could be impacted slightly once there becomes a, a kind of financial connection
0: to each other. I take it, uh, <laughs> this is <laughs> probably a fool's error in this one. I take it um, there's no way that, it- say, say you have a great credit history your partner doesn't there's no way that when you join up the credit history people say oh well he might drag her up or she might drag him up rather than dragging credit history down they, they don't do that presumably
1: I I mean it, it can it, once you become linked if the other person has got some mispayments or or adverse credit that can impact on you at that point so for example if one's got bad credit and you're applying for a mortgage what you might find is that if you do it in joint names, you, you kind of get it because of the, the one with the adverse credit. So mm. it's it's definitely something to, to take into okay. account as well. So, yeah, that, that is something people should
0: be, be kind of taking into account. Okay. The the nitty-gritty, Phil, because the sale all wars started for one of or a combination of three reasons, a falling out over religion, politics, or money. So it should go without saying. But if we're a show that helps you look after your cash, before you go all in with your other half on anything, you have to trust them, don't you? Oh, definitely. That's it. I
1: mean, you you when you open a joint bank account, for example, if it's got any overdraft attached, you're both kind of liable for that. You you need to be clear on what you consider to be like a fair contribution and stick to it. The the last thing you want as well is to open an account with someone and then it just gets cleared out by, by one person. And unfortunately, I've seen that come up in the past. That that's quite a sad thing that, that does happen from time to time. But if it's a joint account that you've got and you've both got access to it, in theory, one person could just clear the, the whole thing out. So mm. you do, you definitely need to to
0: trust someone if you are kind of having your finances together. When you're talking about that, Phil, I'm, I'm just sort of <laughs> clamping down on this and clarifying uh, when one person clears out, you mean that almost like acting like a scammer as opposed to there being some kind of argument at one saying, right, that's it, I'm off with the cash. I know. It's the sort of thing you see on like
1: coordination street, is it? Like somebody, <laughs> they, they, they get in a relationship and the next thing, the person's cleaned out the yeah. bank accounts and got them borrowing money and, and things. The, the other thing I'd say about joint accounts as well is credit cards. They, now, sometimes somebody can take out a credit card in their name so, so I've got a credit card at the minute. Now, one thing I can do is I, I could get a separate card in my partner's name. Now, they didn't do any credit check on her because the debt's all on on me. Yeah. But if she if, if she was to go and rack up a heap of debt on my account, I'm the one that's liable for it. So again, you do, you need an awful lot of trust there.
0: Presumably as well, if you, you're you entering into this together, you have to sit down, work out who brings in what, how much is going out, how you're going to cover that, et cetera, and, and devise spending limits.
1: Definitely. I think having good budgets is key. Not not just, I mean, I, I suppose even if you've got accounts on your own or whether they're joint accounts, you need to have good budgets. And I think it's almost having like some boundaries and rules in place to say, right, some people what they'll do is they'll have a separate account to pay all their bills and they'll both maybe pay a X amount into that each month and the bills come off, and then they'll keep their their money separate. But it is that there's there's various ways that you can do
0: it with, with having your your finances kind of together. Now, this may seem daft. I, I'm married to an accountant. Which of us do you think is more on top of the day-to-day spending in our house? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> But the reality is you should both be on top of this, shouldn't you? I mean, it's important you both know what's going on.
1: Yeah, it is. I, I always say that. It's like, for, for both parties, try and understand your finances. And, you know, not, not everyone is kind of financially savvy, but It is good to just know about things. Like I said earlier, it's good to to kind of talk about things. And and you've also got to understand that everyone's equal when it comes to to this as well. And you you want to try and avoid a situation where only one understands the finances. I've seen it in many occasions in the past where one will know more about things than the other. And then maybe something happens to one of them and the other one is left high and dry at at that point. So it is, I I think it's good for for people to have a mutual understanding and I I definitely think
0: that can help their financial affairs. So what's the best way to go about this then, Phil? Joint accounts, separate accounts, each pay something towards the bill. Take us through the the important points. There's different ways
1: that you can do things. You you can keep your accounts separate. So that's that's one option. You can share and, and manage things. And then in some cases, I've seen the main earner maybe paying the partner like an allowance. I've seen that done before as well. The one thing I would say is don't jump into the the deep end. So that that would be something that's key. If you decide to keep your money totally separate, then at that point, I guess you're having to say, right, decide how we're going to split the bills. I mean, some people will do it on a 50-50 basis. You, You would need to plan and communicate like who's going to pay what, so there's a lot to, to take into account there. Some people will do, like, share everything in a joint account, so they'll put all their, their combined income into a single pot. This can sometimes make budgeting a, a bit easier. So there, there kind of is that with that way. But um, do, doing it that way, both people have got control over the money, and you'll be able to see what the other person is spending as well. Now, some people would see that as an advantage. Some might see it as a, a disadvantage. So <laughs> it is. And then the, I mentioned as well, you could divide it up into mine, yours and ours. There's lots of different ways. And I guess for each sort of person
0: and each couple is trying to do what they're most comfortable with. This is where it gets tricky. Like I said, what if your partner is spending too much money for your budget? I would say it's good to talk. I mean, at that point, if, if one was
1: spending more than the other, I'd be encouraging them to say, look, let's just sit down and speak about things. I mean, if you stick your head in the sand, it doesn't make things go away. So you, you want to both be, be happy, you both want to be comfortable. So I, I definitely say in that instance, it,
0: it's good to sit down and, and speak about things. Now, in a lot of cases, Phil, where, where maybe you've both had relationships before which have failed, entering into another one where there's a financial level of commitment, it's going to be harder to trust. As a result, that may be perhaps more practical. So what kind of things can you do to protect yourself and your family?
1: Definitely. I, I would say that the first thing would be to avoid joint debts. If you have any joint debts, you've got to remember that you're both liable for repaying them in full. So that that's a, a key thing there. If your partner doesn't pay their share, you're still liable for it. So, I wouldn't go agreeing to any new joint debts unless you're totally, entirely happy with with things. In particular, you don't want to agree to any secured debts on your home unless you are really comfortable with that. Another thing I would say is keep your credit card to yourself. I mentioned there that I've got a credit card and I could get a a card from a partner on my account. If, If she was to then run up the debts there, I would be liable for that. So if they're taking out a card, they're probably better doing that on their own rather than having it all in under yours. And I would say, finally, kind of protect your credit rating as well. I mean, being financially linked with someone else can affect your credit rating. So that could make it difficult for you to get new credit in the future if you can. I mean, for for some people, I'm saying like avoid... A joint bank accounts, joint loans, joint bills until your partner's credit situation improves. But that, that's more if one of the parties hasn't got the, the best of credit ratings. I mean, for, for many people, they'll be happy to, to have joint accounts and things, but that, that's more if some one of the parties does have kind of, any adverse credit. I mean, come, on, on their finances, I mean, there's a lot of things to, to take into account as well. And to just give you an example just now, I mean, quite often a lot of people will take out joint life insurance policies. Mm. So they're maybe buying a home together and they think, right, we'll, we'll take out a policy so that if one of us dies or maybe take out critical illness cover, so it would pay out a lump sum if, if something happened to one of them. Now, it costs around, just in general, about 10% more to do separate policies. But one of the advantages of doing separate policies is that if one makes a claim, the other one still has cover in place, And also, if you did ever split up, you've still got your own cover there as well. So that's just a handy little tip for for people if they are looking at joint policies as
0: opposed to ones in their own name. Sweating up the pros and cons here, Phil, using a mortgage uh, as an example, you sort of touched on it there. Compare for me, if you're in a relationship but a mortgage is only in one name versus both names being on the mortgage. And, and, And what happens, for instance, with mortgage debts and joint names? If you've got
1: a mortgage and joint names, you're both jointly liable for that. So I've seen occasions in the past where maybe a couple split up and one of them has been saying, no, I'm not going to pay that. Now, in some lenders have made arrangements with both parties so that they pay half each. I've seen that kind of happen in the past, but they're both liable for the whole payment. It happened to me once years ago, Lastly, year that I was seeing basically said, right, that's it, finished. So fine. And then she was like, right, I'm not going to pay the mortgage. She was still staying in the property. And I'm like, but well, hang on. I said, you can't do that. But she knew that I had to pay it because I'm in a job where I'm not allowed to have any adverse credit. So she kind of knew I was like high and dry and had to, to pay that. So, But again, if, if one, like you might agree that one will pay half and the other will pay half, but if they don't pay your half, that can impact on your, your credit rating as well so again that's that's something to take into account if you move in together if you're married you, you have a wee bit more rights than than somebody who isn't married but if, if you're cohabiting together and then split up the, the thing I would then say is I would advise folk to, to speak to a solicitor but even if you're not on the mortgage you've still got kind of rights there as well so that, that's where a solicitor would would come in and or a, a kind of divorce or separation lawyer at that point to, to kind of help you with things.
0: I'm just thinking as well, I, I, I could be way off on this one, but when we covered the help to buy schemes that are out there, if you are going into a mortgage, for instance, and say say one of you has had and owned a home before, but the other hasn't, you can do something in, in the second person's name, can't you?
1: Yeah, some of that schemes would still class you as a first-time buyer. Mm-hmm. Some of the schemes only need one of you to be a first-time mm-hmm. buyer. So that, that's it. But there are some of the schemes where they do need both to, to be first-time buyers. So again, it, we, we would need to check which which one it was
0: if that came up. But potentially an advantage to not having joint mortgage in that instance, Phil. I guess it, yeah, it could be, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, each week, so far as we've covered various topics, Phil's given us a look back over his own life story and how it's been affected by the subjects we've been discussing. So... Should you manage your finances jointly or individually, Phil? What have you got on that? You just sort of touched on something there briefly, but uh, have you got anything else? Yeah, I, I remember years, and oh, we're going back probably
1: 20 years ago, I was working at the Skipton Building Society at the time, and one of the lassies that I worked with, she, I saw her, she was messaging her husband, and she's like, what are you doing in Inveruri? And he's like, how do you know I'm an in Inveruri? what it was, she, she could see he'd just taken money out, they had a joint account she'd taken money out of a, he, he'd taken money out of a cash line in Inveruri <laughs> and almost instantly it came up on their online banking so she could see, oh hang on or whatever it was at that time, I mean the, the banking apps have all changed mm. these days, but she could actually see where he was, and he was like mesmerized thinking, oh, and how do you know where I am? And it was just because he'd taken a tenner out of their bank account, but it shows you it does it. It's, um, I'm only really uh, trying it's, to buy a pie I know. <laughs> for my lunch. It's funny, I, I've seen some, oh, clearly some of the stories you hear about folk in their bank accounts, but I, I've, I've seen, there, there's one guy I know, he, he was out one night spending a fortune in the, the pub, and he would actually hate to try and time it. He would go to the cash machine the following day to try and make it look like he was taking money out on different <laughs> days, but it was all on the same night out. It's just, oh, you, you couldn't make things like that <laughs> oh, up, could you? Dear.
0: The only thing worse that you could do is add alcohol into that equation. I wouldn't really <laughs> do that when I was sober, but... OK, uh, Phil, we'll do this bit as well. You, you find inspiration through various people that you admire, and you love a quote have you got one that fits our subject matter for this episode on managing your finances jointly or individually
1: at the bank i told the cashier i'd like to open a joint account please okay
0: with whom they replied whoever has lots of money <laughs> i like that one uh no, phil is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries if you want to email a question to us please do and as always we can ask them anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's uh, contact details for you coming up in a a moment or two. I'll give it to you after these. Now, our first question today asks, I've been offered a pension from my work. Should I go into this?
1: See, if you can afford it, then definitely yes, because if it's an auto-enrollment workplace pension, your work will need to contribute to it as well. So what, what you'll probably find is that whatever you pay in, they'll pay in at least the same. Mm-hmm. So your money's almost doubling straight away, plus you get tax relief on your contributions. So definitely, if, as long as you can afford to pay into a pension, you, you should, really should be, especially if your work are, are contributing to it as well,
0: which should be the case on, on the majority of schemes now. Uh, next is Haley, who says, should I pay off my credit cards or save?
1: I always would say that people need some sort of emergency fund. We, we did a podcast on that just yep. recently I kind of yep. remember what episode number it is but we, we did one on on that so that, that one's maybe worth a listen as well but, but what I would say is it's usually good to try and repay your expensive debts first and credit cards would normally fall into that category sometimes you might have a in 0% interest for a while but typically credit card interest rates tend to be be quite high so I, I would encourage folk to try and repay that but It's good to save a little bit and have some money for for an emergency fund. But interest rates on savings just now are so poor. They're not great at all. And there's no point having savings getting 1% interest if you've got debts on a credit card that you're paying 20% interest on. Mm -hmm. But by the same
0: token, it is nice to have some money there just in case of of emergencies as well. Would you say, too, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a fair few topics so far. Uh, we may have touched on what you're interested in. I think we've got one coming up soon too about um, dealing with debt and also, you know, uh, the things, the debts that are, that you should pay off first. If you've got like a whole stack of them, what you should pay in order. I think we've got something like that coming up pretty yeah. soon. Um, I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us today for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been talking about or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for Finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show. Search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Or why not email Phil a question that he can answer on a future show? His address is Phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use your real name if you prefer it that way. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us and please follow on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time, and thanks for listening. Thanks, John.